It's time for the Security Token Show. We're here to bring you the latest and greatest in security token news. Coming from across the globe to your living room. And delivering all the latest STOs and getting you up to date on what's happening in the market. So what are you waiting for? Let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Security Token Show, folks. I'm your host, Herrico. He's joined by my co-host, Kyle Sile, of course. We're here in sunny Miami, Florida, ready to give you the latest and greatest security token news. All the tokenization you gotta know right now. Let's get into the show. Thanks for tuning in, episode 177. And I wanna thank our sponsors before we dive into the top five this week. And our sponsor this week is Fairchild Acquisitions, which is a real estate group out of Chicago led by Sam Grossman. He's tokenizing not one, but two of his properties on the Accrue tokenization platform. You can actually join us this Thursday on Twitter Spaces. We're doing a 1 p.m. Eastern time combo with Sam and Accrue, where they're gonna be raffling off a $3,000 in real estate tokens using a specific link only available to attendees. And this does come with quarterly distributions on the rental income as well. So we're gonna see you there and best of luck. That's amazing stuff. Thank you, Accrue at Fairchild, for making this show possible. Uh, now with that, Kyle, let's get into the top five. And now for our top five, we're starting off with information from the European Parliamentary Research Service. They've announced that there's over 33 billion euros in savings annually thanks to DLT efficiencies. We're talking about tokenization for capital markets, folk, bank infrastructure, clearing and settlement, as well as reporting and other categories amount to this figure, which is really nice to be able to point to in savings alone, as this doesn't include the new value created from the financial innovation itself. That's a tremendous research report, awesome to quantify the benefits of blockchain. And look, it's not lost to the world. And then number four, we've got the Bank of International Settlements, Augustine Carstens coming out saying, yes, this technology is technologically superior to the traditional options. He sees there being a tokenized ecosystem with central bank digital currencies, with tokenized deposits, with all other digital assets existing wow. in the same field. He doesn't feel it requires a permissionless or decentralized platform. It specifically kind of criticized the stablecoin movement. But aside from that, he's all on board with blockchain. Well, and that's off of big news out of Russia and Japan also announcing CBDC programs. And number three, we've got the results from a two-month trial uh, from the RBI, the Reserve Bank of India, with their digital rupee. They had 50,000 users, 5,000 merchants. Uh, and in just two months, they did 770,000 transactions that's definitely some interesting data that might power a nationwide rollout for this program. Flies in the face of some of the narratives earlier that some of the other CBDCs weren't being adopted quite as quickly. India having no problems. And then the number two, Deutsche Bank getting into the tokenization space in multiple different ways. Their newest case here is using their Singapore branch, building in collaboration with Memento, a permissioned Ethereum network for investors to create and invest in tokenized investment funds through a platform they're calling DAMA, the Digital Assets Management Access. So DAMA coming to market for Singapore. Wow, that's big news for one of the 
biggest banks in the world, folks. And back over in the U.S., we've got the number one most important thing you got to know. There's a company called Dapper Labs, which is the owner of NBA Top Shot, an NFT platform for trading moments, essentially from the different games that went on. Uh, and a, a lawsuit claims that those moments are actually unregistered securities. And of course, uh, Dapper Labs said, this is definitely not the case. We're going to dismiss this, uh, please, judge. And the judge said, no. We're going to see this through and find out what happens, the implications and more on our May topic today. But first, let's get over to Peter Gaffney to get our institutional update. Welcome back to the institutional segment of the show. I'm Peter Gaffney, head of research at Security Token Advisors. We're going to look a bit more at the public market opportunities today like we did last week. Today, I wanted to highlight yet again, Ondo Finance, who actually tokenized interest in the BlackRock and the PIMCO ETFs on the Ethereum blockchain back in January of this year. Recently, they actually launched Flux Finance, a decentralized lending and collateralization platform on these funds. So Flux is actually a fork of the popular DeFi protocol Compound, very well known. And right now, the platform, Flux, is live with OUSG, the Ondo short-term U.S. government bond fund. OUSG is roughly 25 million in assets, according to the Flux interface, while the underlying ETFs it invests in are sitting around $20 billion. It's primarily iShares short-term treasury bond ETF. So this will likely be a key proof of concept for the overlap between real-world assets, in this case, the underlying ETF investments, and decentralized finance in regards to collateralization, which is indeed one of the hottest topics in the digital assets industry as of late, real-world assets, right? Additionally, on a similar note, um, and I think this development is particularly interesting uh, for the narrative. So Murray Asset Security signed a letter of intent with HJ Shipbuilding and Construction to finance industrial ships at different stages along the whole contract process. The motivation, as we know, enable fractional ownership and co-ownership of industrial ships, but more so the goal is unlock a bit more stabilization during the actual contract bidding process, which is pretty arduous. So now what really stood out to me is this piece. Murray Asset Securities is the U.S. arm based in New York of Murray Asset Financial Group. Murray Asset Financial Group owns half a trillion dollars, half a trillion dollars worth of financial services companies across asset management, investment banking, wealth management, and venture. Murray owns Global X ETFs, who made use of security token markets data insights in its 2023 charting disruption publication. They are investors in Oasis Pro Markets, the digital broker-dealer and alternative trading system within our industry. And they made a big push in October 2022 to enable overnight trading services in the U.S. The firm itself has an immense global presence, especially in North America and Asia. And so what Ondo Finance and what some of these other on-chain ETFs and on-chain funds are looking to prove is the feasibility of more globalized and round-the-clock trading of existing products in the capital markets. You catch my drift? I see this as a perfect storm started to form around all the aforementioned points we just touched upon. We've already seen the usual suspects begin to position themselves with security token platforms. Look at State Street, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Wisdom Tree, even Redwood Trust. Murray Asset is now shaping up to be a legitimate player and kind of join that list of names. I'll be sure to bring any additional diligence your way on that front. I love seeing this sway our way uh, and on the overarching public markets in general. But that's all for today's institutional commentary for now. Let's see what Sam Sachs has for us with his market update. Hello and happy Monday. The security token market cap is up this week to over $15.5 billion. 
And by the way, have you seen the new site for the number one source of all things security tokens? Yup, that's right. Brand new, sleek, and easy to navigate STM Co. It's live and ready to provide all the security token news and data you could dream of. But let's get into things. Easy Gold Token, launched by the Hartman and Benz company, is the first security token that entitles its owners to passive income in the form of dividends of up to 50% of the net profit derived from the operational activities of the project. But it gets even cooler. Because the company invests 100% of the proceedings raised via the security token offering in the acquisition of raw gold and operational processes of reworking it into the high-quality LBMA certified gold bars, the token essentially represents a direct gold investment. It has a very high correlation to the gold price and can be cashed out anytime you'd like by the investor, thereby offering a high degree of flexibility. And one of its main advantages is the fact that it can also yield passive rewards, additionally to the price development of its underlying asset. This is an additional incentive for investors and reduces the risk for, the e uh, for even if the gold price was to trade sideways for a while. And as Kyle already mentioned, Coinbase Cryptocurrency Exchange launched the testnet for BASE, an Ethereum Layer 2 blockchain network. Its stated goal is to create a low-cost, developer-friendly environment that it believes making it easier to create de decentralized apps and is going to encourage greater user adoption of blockchain. In similar ways to the app stores making smartphones more appealing, these decentralized apps will be widely available to all users. BASE will also be the home of cryptocurrency exchanges on-chain products. The Uniswap decentralized exchange frequently has higher daily trading volumes than Coinbase due to its DeFi. However, Coinbase is looking to change this through its expanded ecosystem. And Coinbase will be able to earn revenues from its decentralized apps and a proportion of network fees on the base chain. The app store of blockchain is here. And finally, crypto exchange Paxos Trust Company, which supports Binance's stablecoin, Binance USD, is currently in talks with the US SEC. This is happening after the crypto regulating agency informed the organization that Binance USD should have had a legitimate registration with the state as, get this, a security token. Yes, Binance should have been listed as a security token. In an internal mail to the employees on the platform, Paxos's CEO, Charles Cascarilla, said, we are engaging constructive discussions with the SEC and we look forward to continuing that dialogue in private. Are we soon to see many former cryptocurrencies convert to security tokens to satisfy the demands of regulators? That's what it looks like, and we're going to follow it all. That's all for now, but have an amazing rest of your week, and I'll see you next Monday. For the main topic of episode 177, we're talking about is NBA Top Shot an unregistered security sale? And this is a wide-ranging case for essentially what and how we're going to treat all of these digital asset investments moving forward. It has huge precedent and opportunity to set more clear regulation on what's going on in the space. But before we dive into any of the legal implications here, I want to just give a little bit of background on Top Shot and what's going on in this ecosystem. And then maybe, Hurley, you can jump in and let us know some of the security things. Meta scene, what the heck is Dapper Labs and NBA Top Shot? Pretend like I've never even heard of this. Sure. So Dapper Labs, a blockchain development company, they build NFTs, non-fungible tokens, art, all kinds of things that you can sell on chain. And basically what they did is they secured a really valuable partnership with the actual NBA, the National Basketball Association, that 
obviously has all the rights to the players, to the logos, to the imagery, anything that's copyrightable within the NBA. And so Dapper Labs has created what they call moments. These are little clips of a big shot, a dunk, a nice pass, something like that from in-game. Any highlight from an in-game opportunity is then categorized by player. And just like a trading card, they actually sell packs where you can buy and collect the different moments. So if you have a favorite player, they made a big shot, you may want to own that moment. And depending on all kinds of factors, namely how big, how important that moment was, or the type of player that it is, or all kinds of other rarity mechanics that they've built into their gamified ecosystem. They have some of these moments that are more rare than others, and then you can collect the different moments to get access to new opportunities. Maybe you're only able to participate in a random drawing if you already own a select few sets. If I'm a LeBron James super fan, I may want to own all of LeBron James's moments in order to be eligible for something even more valuable. All this seems to make sense. A lot of these gamified mechanics we've seen in video games, we've seen in, in smartphone applications, we've seen it all across the board. However, there are some things that we need to note that are different than, let's say, any more traditional gamified application. And that, I think, evolve, revolves around how these moments are being monetized. Currently, they're being sold on the platform, they're being traded on the platform, and they're being cashed out on the platform, which is something that, Starts to look like a money-making opportunity, Herwig. But you told me this was an NFT. It is. Uh, so when I think NFT, I think CryptoPunks, Mornate Yacht Club, or your traditional use case, like you said, of being able to tie any piece of art to an NFT. But what you just mentioned at the end there is that I can buy NBA NFTs, essentially, but I can only trade them on NBA Top Shots. Yes. Which is... Dapper Labs platform, Lowe's Loop ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So there are some differences here than your usual NFT collection. Totally. Because you look at Bored Apes, you look at CryptoPunks, these things weren't necessarily, while you would mint them, so you would pay a mint fee. Certainly from a messaging perspective, it was not as much about buying and selling. It was definitely not as much about trading. Maybe some of the future NFT collection, we certainly see the craze. There is certainly a money-making component here, but I think a lot of it starts to come from how is the messaging communicated from the exact issuer, from the company trying to sell a product directly to their consumers. And once that those lines start to blur, like having your own marketplace and, and showing how these things are increasing in value, now you start to, to question whether or not the company may be, may be misleading investors into yeah. thinking that it's a profit opportunity. I think this is what stems the uh, actual lawsuit that came against the company, Kyle. So there was actually a group of people or uh, a class action, class action, right? That actually came out and said, hey, we believe that the way this is structured as a market, that these moments aren't actually digital NFTs that are being traded on a, a market. It's actually unregistered securities that are trading on the market. And we know, and I'll set sort of the legal scene here, Kyle, that there is the macro narrative of cryptocurrencies versus securities, using the Howey test, figuring out, hey, these ICOs, like we see with Ripple, are actually unregistered securities in the way that they're done. And NFTs have mostly, mostly stayed safe and away from that. And now this is the first major instance here that we're seeing where legal uh, matters could affect the NFT industry. Specifically, in this case, as you pointed out, Dapper Labs, 
the company behind NBA Top Shot. They are also the company behind a blockchain called Flow. Uh, and this Flow blockchain is exclusive to the moments that are sold on NBA Top Shot. And interestingly enough, according to Dapper Labs' or NBA Top Shot's very own terms of service, they specifically say that these NBA moments have no value outside of the top four market or the NBA Top Shot marketplace. Um, that's very interesting because they are specifically saying that if you wanted to go and say, take this outside of their ecosystem, trade it somewhere else like we see with a traditional NFT where it's available on OpenSea or other platforms to trade, this case, they're saying absolutely no, no. We are going to keep this completely on our platform and it only has value on our platform. Making things even more interesting being the fact that they control when you cash out on the platform, which apparently in some instances, Kyle, they actually did delay your ability to cash out. Um, this definitely starts to very much so seem like potentially a security. Obviously, we're not attorneys. This is completely meant to be informational to help you understand why this could be a court case of the year. Because a judge has already now acknowledged saying, hey, even though NBA, uh, Dapper Labs thinks, now nah, we're not trading securities, we'd like this case dismissed. The judge has said, nah, we think the class action lawsuit may have merit and we're going to proceed. Uh, so this is definitely a big deal. It's not acknowledging that the end moments uh, from NBA Top Shot are securities, but it's also saying that they are not securities. Uh, we potentially have some very interesting yeah. things to find out from this. Yeah, and there were a lot of critics that that came out specifically in the crypto industry saying that, oh, if you call NBA Top Shot securities, then every baseball card and basketball card ever is also a security. And while, you know, they make an interesting point that break collectibles don't necessarily seem like securities, I don't think that collectibles should be considered securities because you don't know which collectible collection is going to be more or less valuable you're buying it because you like to own the thing. I agree with that, and that makes a lot of sense to me. However, some of the gamified financial economics here make that a different story. And I think it really comes down to liquidity and the opportunity for liquidity, right? And so once the asset can be very easily traded into cash, and it's almost synonymous in terms of when you want to sell it, you can sell it pretty much immediately for the fair market price, it's almost a different ballgame. And, and let's take a look at some of the reasons why. You're investing in this thing on the platform. You're purchasing and buying and selling directly on their platform throughout the whole trade ecosystem. This is something we don't see in collectibles. Tops, for example, or Pokemon that creates cards. You even look at Nike shoes, which is probably the best example of a commodity that is treated like an investment, but still doesn't seem like a security. And that's because Nike sells the shoes and yeah, they're limited supply and there's maybe a lottery of who can actually purchase them, but that's just scarcity economics. They don't then offer a platform for sneakerheads to then resell those shoes. If that happens on eBay or if that happens peer-to-peer, -peer, all right, sure, we can't do a whole lot about it. We're not actively promoting, actively facilitating the transactions. And as far as I understand, there's a reason why, right? They understand this mechanic. That's why they, they crap down on a lot of internal things that happen like this because it could be a potential liability in the future. And I think that Everything the Top Shot's doing is almost flying in the face of the measures that traditional companies have used to try to distance themselves from gambling mechanics, from financial investment mechanics, from some of these things that it does, it's not quite as clear-cut, in my opinion, as it might seem.
No, I tend to agree with you. That's why this is going to be very interesting, especially given the fact that this does have a major national brand involved. The NBA, of course, itself uh, may see recourse as a result of this case. Uh, and so this is going to play out very interesting. We're going to keep our eyes on this. We're going to keep you updated on the show. That's all we've got for you for now. We're going to end our show with our companies of the week. But of course, let us know any questions or thoughts you have uh, about our main topic here. We're always available on LinkedIn and Twitter. With that, let's do our companies of the week. And to wrap up our show this week, we're covering our companies of the week, two businesses that Hoig and I have handpicked that were making the biggest moves we wanted to highlight for something really cool going on. And of course, that clips them a ticket for the company of the year running here at the end of the year. So Herwig, who do you have for your company of the week this week? Well, for a new 2023 entrant, I am adding in Deutsche Bank, Kyle. We, of course, heard earlier on the show that they announced their DAMA, DAMA Digital Asset Management Access System. Uh, it is, in fact, an end-to-end -end platform with quite a few novel innovations packed in there, soul-bound tokens for information and compliance, uh, as well as the traditional features we see in tokenization. And Deutsche Bank being one of the largest banks in the world, uh, we, are, we know that the industry is taking notice. We've already seen major announcements from the likes of Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, and others with their tokenization platforms. Deutsche Bank, their announcement is doing the same exact thing. Many others are now going to look to either part partner, participate, or even start developing their own systems. And this is definitely part of the larger mission of tokenizing trillions of dollars in assets that I know Deutsche Bank is going to be leading the way now uh, with this platform. So that's why, Kyle, I chose them as my company of the week. A constant innovator with a huge balance sheet. It makes total sense. And they're just one of, of hundreds of banks that we know are working on this industry with over oh, yeah. 10 billion in tokenized debt. We're tracking on stm.co. It's only growing larger. Well, Kyle, I'm dying to know. You got this week. My pick this week is Coinbase. They are not only the only publicly traded crypto exchange and maybe the most compliant because they actually have to report something each quarter. They have come out and are launching a their own blockchain. It's a layer two solution built on top of Ethereum using the Optimism stack, which may or may not be relevant for you. But what I think is really important of the fact that they've built their own blockchain is that it is a permissionless and interoperable system with the other blockchain solutions. And look at Binance. You look at a bunch of these other companies that they're competing with are making millions every year on returns and revenue from their own blockchains. So I think that this will actually allow Coinbase to be more competitive in the market, not to mention the fact that they already have a custody solution. They already have an ATS license. They already have 110 million users. Probably almost all of them are KYC because now they have to. So they have what is essentially a whitelisted permissionless ecosystem with a broker and ATS transactional license. I think you get where I'm going with this, Herway. Screw your like they could be a real player in compliant digital assets on top of just crypto, especially with all the FUD going on in crypto being securities. You can't tell me they haven't thought about it internally. And I feel like they're in a perfect position to start trading security tokens. Well, Kyle, I think for all of those reasons, that's a fantastic choice for this week's winner. Congratulations, Coinbase, and for launching your new blockchain. Uh, and with that, of course, that's the end of our show. We hope to catch you next Monday. Uh, that's every week where we drop the Security Token Show to bring you the latest and greatest news. But meanwhile, of course, subscribe to our What's Drippin' newsletter. Check out stm.co for all the latest and greatest information. We're super active on social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, everywhere else. Uh, and of course, reach out to Kyle and myself with any questions. And with that, 
happy tokenizing. 